Hello and welcome to the Plato's Academy Center podcast, where we feature modern-day academics, authors, and influencers that promote philosophy as a way of life. Be sure to check out our events page at platosacademy.eventbrite.com to stay up to date on our latest virtual conferences. Aristotle tells us has to do with facing sacrifice and risk for the sake of what's fine or good. Uh, but the truly courageous um, know that there will be costs and accept those costs. And this is an ancient theme. It can't be foolish endurance, says uh, Socrates uh, in Plato's Lakeys. Moreover, and this is really my subject today, the risks may defy the status quo or where we currently are. Donald Robertson um, intimated the next talk will be about that a bit. Socrates, the next uh, uh, conference. Socrates in his own life was, as many know, an iconoclast, an edgy leader who teaches the world how to challenge inadequate norms. He's not just making waves. Uh, trouble for the sake of trouble in what Aristophanes calls his think shop up in the clouds, uh, uh, in his Aristophanes comedy, The the Clouds. Rather, Socrates is into very serious business. He's challenging conventional norms of justice, piety, temperance, and courage as often hardened practices that need to be questioned and critiqued. Is justice really returning what you borrowed? No. If uh, if you're returning, say, a knife to someone who's now mentally unstable and may use it as a weapon. Aristotle concurs. Courageous leaders must often defy norms. To be courageous, you may have to take risks that toss you, really um, drop you into uncharted waters. You act courageously, says Aristotle, from a state of character where you just don't know how to be fully prepared because the challenges may be novel. So it's character that must be your guide. He insists, not a list of of hurdles that you get to try out all in advance. Now, the Stoics have their own twist on this. They actually don't think character is enough, or at least they want to arm character with as much rehearsal and preparation as possible. You've got to know the future in some way. Dwell in advance, says Cicero, recapping the view. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Or as some of you may know, the idea is pre-rehearse the pre-rehearse the bads, the losses and wrongdoings and accidents that can unravel you. But pre-exposure therapy, if we can call it that, isn't always what's required for leadership. Sometimes you don't know what risks you'll face. Moreover, courageous leadership may be a matter of readiness to defy prevailing norms and pressures that are exerted to keep those hardened norms in place. Especially, you feel you must defy them if you know that they're unjust, discriminatory, criminal, or base. But it takes courage to defy what many accept as an okay way to go. It takes a courageous leader to blow a whistle when blowing that whistle can cost you your career, food on the table for your family, 
your friendships, your colleagues, let alone your physical and mental health. Courageous defiance can lead to moral injury, something I've written about in a number of my books. But for some, there's simply no alternative. Leadership is not just about status and rank or obedience. Actually, Achilles taught us that. He questioned the rank of Agamemnon. It's about character and modeling that character for self and others. Now, I want to illustrate with three brief portraits. They're all individuals I have known, some better than others. Um, And to me, they exemplify courageous defiance. So I'm going to share my screen briefly and then unshare it. But I just want to give you um, a quick picture of who these are. Um, Let's see. Here I am. Let's share. I think you've got it. Um, Ian Fishback uh, died tragically just a year ago. Major Hugh Thompson, as some may know, the hero of Milai who stopped the massacre. And Susan Solomon, a CEO and founder of the Stem Cell Foundation in New York City. All right, so let me, un- so let's just Hugh, Ian, uh, Susan. All right, let's stop the share. All right, so I want to begin with. Army Major uh, Ian Fishback, who died at the age of 42, rather tragically, a year ago. He was a very close mentee of mine. I knew him well. He was a West Point graduate, philosophy teacher at West Point, University of Michigan, PhD, who served 10 years in Iraq and Afghanistan. He was a Green Beret in the Special Forces. But moral combat was his close-in combat. It led, as some may know, to a courageous and eloquent letter sent to a United States Senator, John McCain, documenting the systematic torture of prisoners that Ian witnessed by fellow members of his own battalion, roughly contemporaneous with Abu Ghraib. Ian penned the letter after 17 full months of of, uh, trying to bring his complaints up the chain of command to higher ranked leaders, Ian was only 26 when he sent a letter to McCain and 24 when he began to protest torture. He was young and bold as a leader. The whistle he blew ultimately led to a United States amendment almost passed unanimously by the Senate Against Torture, sponsored by McCain, himself a POW in the Vietnam era who served alongside Jim Stockdale, famous for uh, turning to Stoicism as his salvation. In essence, Ian protested the practices that had become accepted uh, and endorsed by the highest levels of the United States administration, um, including the president. Uh, They were euphemized as enhanced interrogation techniques. They were sleep deprivation, torture, waterboarding, and the like. It didn't matter that the practices blatantly violated Geneva Accords and international rules for the lawful and humane treatment of detainees. They still got the blessing and endorsement of the Bush II administration. Now, courage can have high costs, as Ian himself knew. And this is a letter that he wrote to McCain. It's worth looking up at some point, but I'll read you a bit because it's eloquence from a young author, Dazzles. Do we sacrifice our ideals in order to preserve security? Terrorism inspires fear and suppresses ideals like freedom and individual rights. 
Overcoming fear posed by terrorist threats is a tremendous test of our courage. Will we confront danger and adversity in order to preserve our ideals, or will our courage and commitment to individual rights wither at the prospect of sacrifice? My response is simple. If we abandon our ideals in the face of adversity, then those ideals were never ours in possession. This is a letter, bits of which could have been written by an ancient philosopher. The second person is Vietnam-era helicopter pilot Hugh Thompson, also a courageous leader who protested war atrocities. In Thompson's case, unlike Ian's, he took a stand in a split-second moment. There was no time for preparation except a life's preparation in good character and integrity. From his helicopter in March 1968, when he, what he saw unfolding would come to be known as the My Lai Massacre. He tried to fight the truth of his eyes testimony, and I know this personally because I interviewed him several times as he teared recalling this. Hundreds of dead and wreathing bodies, women, Buddhist monks, children piled high on each other in a ditch. He was baffled. He had just flown over the area a few hours earlier and there was no enemy action. Were his own American GIs killing hundreds of innocents? He had to believe what he saw. And so he landed his helicopter and told his side gunner, if the GIs shoot me, shoot back. A very controversial order. He stopped the massacre. 300 or more uh, were killed and 300 more would have been killed had he not intervened. But not without leaving himself a hunted and haunted man and one whom the Pentagon generals never really wanted to recognize. For Thompson, there was no other action he could have taken. But what he did, stop his fellow soldiers from killing innocents in a brutal act of vengeance that they were um, committing. He never rehearsed that defiant intervention, never ever thought about it for a, blink, for a second. What he practiced was integrity. In his case, it required defying practices that had become sanctioned by and encouraged by immoral leaders. The final leader, um, for uh, whom for me exemplifies courageous defiance is Susan Solomon, and you saw her picture uh, a moment ago. She's actually a cousin of mine, but I didn't really know her legacy until very recently at her memorial. A lawyer by training, a one-time flower child married to a very famous drummer in a very famous Woodstock era band, she went on to found and become the CEO of the New York Stem Cell Foundation. Stem cells are unspecialized cells of the human body, able to differentiate into any cell of the organism and then self-renew. So their promise is that they can be used to develop viable, differentiated, and functional healthy cells that can replace disease cells in a body. When she founded her organization, Susan knew nothing about medical health science. What she knew is that she had to help her son and others like him who suffered from diseases that were that did not yet have viable treatments. In her son's case, diabetes type 1. To search for a treatment, she had to courageously defy the status quo. For at that time, the research was banned by the United States government as politically controversial. It was using stem cells that were culled from fetuses. Now you can cull them from adult. Uh, adult cells, adult organisms. Susan's view was, if the government wasn't going to fund the research, then a private organization would have to. 
And so she learned the science. And what for some was just aspiration became for her accomplishment. As a CEO, she raised $400 million. Donald, there's a task for you (laughs) to set up a cutting edge lab in New York City and grant fellowships around the globe to the most accomplished medical scientists who are doing stem cell research. The former head of the NIH, um, National Institutes of Health here in Bethesda, Maryland, Francis Collins, himself a world-renowned geneticist, said he had never seen anyone who was not formally trained in the minutiae of medical science and stem cell research master the subject in the way Susan did. So I tell the story because, again, her courage was in defying the status quo, in this case, health science as we know it. Susan dreamed big, and to dream, she needed to be willing to challenge existing norms. She once said to her young women STEM scientists at leading universities around the world, what are you waiting for? A prince in shining armor on a white horse? Get yourself your own horse. And so they did in their university labs and at the Stem Cell Foundation and now in government-backed collaborative research. They're doing research on Alzheimer's, PTSD, leukemia, Parkinson's, diabetes, ovarian cancer, and other uh, diseases that desperately need cures. She essentially is helping to bring science from the bench to the bedside. So these three, Fishback, Ian Fishback, Hugh Thompson, Susan Solomon, were all leaders taking risks in breaking with practices that either grossly violate human rights or stand in the way of human progress in saving lives. Courage isn't just facing fear for the sake of risk-taking, it's facing risks to promote humanity in our world. Uh, Seneca, uh, the famed uh, orator and and Stoic, ends his essay on anger on that very note. Let us cultivate humanity. But as good leaders, we can only cultivate humanity if at times we're willing to defy practices, as Socrates was, that are unjust or unfair, however much those in power put pressure on us to keep those practices in place. Thank you so much. Thank you.